this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we have our first Patreon poll of the year. It's February. That means we picked an album from February of 1998 to review. And uh, are you disappointed, Jay? I got to ask you up front with the one that you thought might win. Uh, I don't know. We had like a, a three way tie, right? Well, we did, but then there was a tiebreaker. Yeah, we had an early favorite. Yeah, which was Union, which featured yep. members of Kiss and Motley Crue. That was a that was an mm-hmm. early favorite, but of the four picks, there was a, there was a three way tie between that Neutral Milk Hotels in aero, in the aeroplane over the sea, and Annie DeFranco's Little Plastic Castle. They all came in at thirty two percent out of the 22 votes and then mystery machine head first into everything only scored 5% of the vote. So in previous attempts to break the ties, we would go to a second round of voting, which would then end up in a tie as well. Uh, <laughs> rather than go through that whole charade, uh, just after the, the, the poll ended, Brandon Trammell said, crap, I just missed it, but I would have voted for Andy DeFranco, which I decided to grandfather Brandon's vote in. So we're doing uh, Andy DeFranco's Little Plastic Castle from February of 1998. Way to go, Brandon. We have our own former democracy here. Yeah, it's called We Make It Up As We Go. (laughs) There's no rhyme or reason. So we need to thank all the folks who uh, chimed in with comments, whether that be uh, Johnny Hooper, Patrick Testa, Whitney Beeler, Stephen Mazinski, Keith Sawyer, Scott Witt, or Jason Pan. They all had comments. We'll, we'll bring them up as we're going through this episode uh, that are relevant to uh, Annie's album that we're going to be checking out. So, Jay, I know that we played Annie DeFranco at the radio station in college. Were you uh, aware of her albums or her music prior to doing this? Just from college. I remember a couple records here and there, and I generally knew what she sounded like, but... Uh... Living Living in Clip is the one that I remember the most, especially that album cover. I remember seeing a lot. Yeah, that's the um, um, the live album that came out just before this record. That came out in '97. The the studio albums that came out were Dilate. That came out in '96, and then Not a Pretty Girl came out in 1995. Those would have been the ones that, while we were there, were getting played prior to this one. Dilate was the one that yeah. I remembered. Uh, the album cover, you know, going into the stacks and, and it getting played pretty regularly because I believe that record, I think that's the one that has a cover of Amazing Grace on it. We played that quite a bit. And then she's she also had some other records that came out around this time as well that she did uh, a couple with Utah Phillips. And then there were some other things she did. So I like you, I you know, I should have actually known about her uh, since she's from Buffalo, my hometown, and I'm obligated to know the entire discography of everyone who's ever produced an album from my hometown. Right. So, right. Like Rick James and mm-hmm. Goo Goo Dolls, that sort of thing. 
So, but I'm actually not that familiar. I, I just know the albums from what we listened to in college. Um, she has about 20 albums, like studio mm. albums. She at some of them they were coming out like basically every year. There's an there was a studio album coming out. Um, and then between those studio albums, she was working with other people. Then there's also about 20 live albums that came out, EPs, uh, appearances on compilations, like at least 30 of those. And um, and then she runs a record label called Righteous Babe, which is home to uh, a lot of artists, including um, uh, Andrew Bird, uh, which is an artist that uh, was pretty... I remember getting a lot of buzz in the early 2000s. I don't remember if uh, if you listened to him or not. That name doesn't ring a bell. Okay. And then uh, also had people like, well, I mentioned Utah Phillips, but uh, Arto Lindsay and Hamill on Trial and some other folks that probably are less well-known. But anyway, just interesting career. She started out like, Playing, she had a guitar teacher, and she started playing bars in Buffalo, doing Beatles covers at like nine years old. And hmm. then at fourteen, she was starting to write her own songs, and um, she got emancipated, emancipated from her parents when she was fifteen, and moved out on her own. And she went to the Buffalo Academy of Visual and Performing Arts the next year when she was sixteen, and started going to college. So she was like one of those like super smart kids who was like in college. <laughs> 16 years old. She went to Buff State, which is my mom's alma mater. And then she, at 19, she started Righteous Babe Records in 89 and started putting out her own records. And then she moved to New York City uh, and started going to the new school and taking poetry classes. Yeah. So, uh, so basically by the age of like 20, she had done more than I've done uh, as a 40 year old. So that's, uh, that's pretty humbling to be quite frank. Uh, right there and um yeah this has been extremely busy with output like i said albums pretty much every year up until like 2008 there was a break between 2008 and 2012 uh where she actually had four years between records but it's basically been either every year or every other year she's had a studio album out so uh let's get into some of the patreon comments on this record uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash dig me out. And we actually have a couple of new Patreon folks joining us. That is Danny Butcher and uh, Haddon Smith. I think that's how you say it. Hayden, Hayden or Haddon. I'm sorry if I'm butchering the name there to integrate both names into my uh, error prone pronunciation issues. Uh, welcome both to the uh, patreon family and looking forward to comments from both of you so in terms of people who voted for annie and um well keith sawyer said he 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 voted for annie uh, merely as an anti-neutral milk hotel vote which is okay that's one way to do it he said he'd be glad to hear Union as well. Well, we didn't get to Union this time, but maybe somebody will pick that. Patrick Testa said, I think a review of Annie would probably be the most timely thing a show about 20 years ago could do, except for maybe review of the crumbling true... I don't know what he was getting at there. He said, oh, let's not go there. So we'll have to discuss that later, what you were getting at there, Patrick. And uh, Brandon said he would go with Annie. Neutral Hotel... 
Neutral Milk Hotel is great, but they've been picked apart by a million reviewers. And I think that's the key there. Neutral Milk Hotel has like books dedicated to that album. Whereas uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't feel like this album, along with Union or Mystery Machine, has been covered as much. Although Andy DeFranco has a really interesting career and a lot of albums to talk about. So I think this could be an interesting one for us to uh, discuss. So this album came out February of 98, obviously. So it's been 20 years. So Jay, let's talk about Little Plastic Castle by Andy DeFranco. Tell me one thing you liked about it. Uh, well, the acoustic guitar playing is is, is pretty great. Um, the band overall is really talented. You can tell there's some real musicians at play here. It sounds great. You know, it's got a good performance uh, vibe to it. I think there's even a lyric here that it kind of sums it up about, uh, remember when records were a record of people recording in a room, which it kind of resonated with me. And Mm -hmm. this, this album, you know, sounds that way. records as in a record of an event the event of people playing music in a room now everything is cross-marketing it's about sunglasses and shoes or guns and drugs you choose we got it rehashed we got it half-assed we're digging up all the graves and we're spitting on the past and we can choose between the colors of the lipstick on the whores because we know the difference between the font of 20 percent more and the font of teriyaki you tell me how does it make you feel You tell me what's real. So, I mean, I think there's that that's the part that I I gravitated to the most is just the musicianship and the and the playing. Yeah. I agree with you. Um her staccato style of like finger picking and, and strumming is uh pretty interesting. It's like percussive guitar playing, I guess is the way I would put it. Mm. Like she almost becomes a rhythm instrument with the way that she attacks her guitar on a lot of these songs. Um, those are actually not my favorite tracks. I really like it when she stretches the sound of what I kind of think of her as, which is that folky beat poet, um, kind of punkish, you know, uh, like I said, the staccato guitar. I, like the opening track to me, I, I think is really one of the most interesting songs on the record, which is little plastic castle. It's the title track. Uh, Cause it starts out and you think, okay, this is her like folk song. You know, this is what we expect from her acoustic guitar and earnest, uh, you know, like I said, the sort of beat poet vocal. And then it explodes into like this mariachi band swing ramshackle thing going on. And I was like, Whoa, this was not what I was expecting from her. Uh, this horn section and this this groove. Um, I never thought of... It's always been with her stuff as being very... Um, from the rhythm section, I always thought of it being as being much more jagged. And this record, to me, has a lot more groove to it. And it's I think it's because of her playing around with just a lot more instrumentation that I, than I had ever heard up to this record. So for me, what works really well is her taking chances and really pushing her sound. It's like, it's on that song. It's on, um, a song like pulse, which is not, not one of my favorite songs on the record, but it's a completely different vibe. It's this 
uh, very moody, almost like atmospheric sounding song. Her vocal is not really aggressive, and it's it's um, overly long. The thirteen minute track closer, which is you know, I was expecting it to end at like four minutes, and then it to be like seven minutes of nothing, and then there'd be a hidden track. But no, it actually goes on the whole the whole time. Yeah, the the stuff that works for me is when she pushes the envelope for what I expect her sound to be and it gets away from I guess the more folky sounds that are associated with her. Yeah, it's funny. I think I liked, I tended to like the stuff that was more in her wheelhouse. So, huh. okay. <laughs> I think we're just, I think we're split there. I mean, yeah. when she does the those other sounds, it, it just, I guess, it reminds me of other bands I don't like. Like okay. I hear Dave Matthews. Sorry, I don't like Dave Matthews. Uh, I hear like a little ska and like loungy things that just aren't appealing to me. Right. Um, I, I guess I, I, I do like a song like loom, which does have a great groove to it. You know, the band really shines in that song. Um, yeah, and, and I think that kind of goes in a, a good place for me. That's a little bit different, but not so, I don't know, loungy or I just, I don't know it, it, it because I mean, a lot of her lyrics are just so, you know, they can be biting and heavy and dark and very personal. Right. I guess I don't know how to take when the music gets overly like silly or playful. I, I don't know what to do with that. Hmm. Whereas if she's a little more, more toned down and simple or even dark, which I think is even better musically than, um, I don't know. This still lyrically, it makes more sense to me. Like it sits correct, but that, I mean, it's kind of a subjective personal right thing. Well, see the opposite of little plastic castle to me for that working is deep dish. That song totally does not work for me. That's the one that has the ska vibe. I don't know what yeah. is going on with that song. It is, it is a mess to me. I hate that song. Yeah. I, <laughs> it sounds I, like a, like a, a song you hear in the background of like a showtime series or something yeah it's <laughs> like but a song like as is is one mm. that works really well for me because i feel like she uses her vocal to play a part along with the guitar and the rhythm of that song they all work together and her vocal remains pretty straightforward what bugs me that you believe what you're saying what bothers you don't know how you feel what scares me that while you're telling me stories you actually believe that they are real 
problem that I have with her vocal on like a song like Fuel is that she gets very quirky and a lot of affectations and it almost sounds like she's doing like a beat poet version of like a George Carlin routine or something like I just don't like that side of her yeah I'm not a fan of that either so when she when she reins it in and I mean there's a there's always a little bit of weirdness and quirkiness coming out. It's just the way that it comes out either hits me right or hits me wrong. And I'm, as is, she does do that a little bit, but really it's about the melody on that song. And I think when there's some of that really fast staccato strumming on some of the songs, it's where I lose the melody because I'm so focused on how fast and and ripping the guitar is. Yeah, uh, a couple of things there because I think we're hearing some similar things um yeah so like fuel i mean lyrically i love parts of that you know mm-hmm. I, I think it it's still re- even though some of it's a little bit of a time capsule it still resonates fairly well but yeah the presentation is this she just sees all these weird voices and i don't know it just sounds like a crazy person or something like i don't get <laughs> it's just bizarre um and then the the guitar playing it's it's, it's at times brilliant I think she would serve some of these songs better if it though could take a back seat sometimes. So like she'll set the song up with a riff and there's some verses or even choruses where I just want to, I want to listen to the melody. Right. And I'm, I'm struggling to do that because the guitar is so busy and the way she sings is so sometimes, um, I don't know, it's more about like the personality that she's trying to portray as opposed to the song or the melody. So, you know, there's, there's hints of cool things in there, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like trying to weed through all the guitar notes and the bass playing and the, uh, overly affected vocal to get to like the essence of like, what is the, what is the song here? So I think that's the, those are the parts where just her formula overall, I struggle with. You know, there, there's literally just some sections of songs. I'm like, just stop playing guitar. Just don't play guitar. Like, right. just let me hear bass and a vocal, you know, and a, and, a, and the drummer's brilliant. Like, just let me hear those three elements for a section because I think that would be really compelling. Yeah, and I, I, what did you think about Independence Day? Because I feel like that's a song where she dials it down and it really works. It's the sparseness that works on that yes. track. I love the droning kind of bass and in the vocal against that i think that's a that's kind of what i'm talking about like you get that it gets simple and then it makes you appreciate kind of pulls you down and you get into the mood and you can appreciate her vocal and just how she sings and the lyrics and then when it comes back and things get busier then you're like oh okay well now this is interesting because you gave me a chance to breathe but i got a big hot cherry bomb Slip it through a man's life of your front door. Now you can't leave me here. 
wish there was more of that intermingled throughout the record yeah now what's interesting is that in listening to this record i don't know if you know this but on the last twilight singers record she does a guest vocal and i could not figure out like why julia would have her on a twilight singers record i mm-hmm. other than the fact that she, i think she lives in new orleans now and he was living in new orleans at the time he has a couple bars there that he owns and he bounces back and forth between la and new orleans and um or new orleans however you're supposed to say it uh but listening to this record and listening to song like independence day or even pulse or a couple of these other records like oh it started to make sense like pulse at certain times could sounds like it could have been an instrumental track or or part of a you know a song on the first twilight circus record like if you if you kind of compare it to like you know that's just how that bird sings or something like mm. that yeah so it, it it made more sense to me, like, okay, now listening back to her stuff, hearing this less folky, more groove-oriented stuff, it, it yeah. totally makes sense that she would be, you know, hanging out with him or, or recording with him. Another song that worked for me was Pixie. And the, one of the reasons why is because there was a second vocal. There was a backing vocal in the chorus that mm-hmm. I liked. But also because I got, sometimes I had a hard time just figuring out, even though she's very plainative in her vocal delivery sometimes it's very scattershot until like what exactly is this song about mm-hmm. like, whereas i felt like that song i got what she was saying and you know it was the song was a lot about sort of the drudgery of everyday life and work and that kind of stuff and it were all worked for me on that song now what's interesting is that she got nominated I blink for a Grammy for the for vocal performance on the song Glass House. I didn't even think that was the best track on the record. So I, I mean I think it's an okay song. Interesting, huh? I like the Yeah, I'm with you on Pixie. That was a highlight for me. Uh I, I like that song. It, it opens up with in the chorus with some keyboard. I, I think that's what the, what's going yeah. on there. And that was a nice texture to add to the to the record. I, I wouldn't mind hearing a little bit more of that actually. Like he's got a half a dozen places he'd rather be. Furthermore, it looks like he's prepared to take it all out on me. Buddy, I don't really care what your problem is. Just don't make it mine. Come on, kids, let's all hold hands and pretend we're having a good time. Yeah, Glass House, I like the 
feel of that song. It kind of almost has a stonesy kind of loose, you know, swagger to it. Yeah. I don't like whatever that intro part is with that flange bass or whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> like I like the idea of, you know, let the guitars kind of be loose and bouncing off of each other. And then you've got this bass in the middle that's setting up a melody, but it uses this really gimmicky phase effect and you're it's just not. Yeah. I just don't, I don't, don't, don't dig. Yeah, I agree with you. So what didn't work? Uh, I, I'll tell you, I did not care. Like I said, I did not care for Deep Dish. It was a totally wrong vibe. And the song Two Little Girls, I don't, I don't know. That song just, I felt uncomfortable listening to that song. <laughs> yeah, I, I did like it musically, but yeah, lyrically, it's a little like, I don't know if I should be listening to this. Right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's just there's just a couple times where I felt like the the guitar overpowered what she was singing, and I was completely missing out. Like I, I didn't hear the melody. Like it was more like she was speaking over top of what was happening, and there was no hook or chorus to like sort of drive the the song home. Um, and when she eased up, that's where it worked better for me and I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not the hugest fan of sort of the coffee house singer songwriter folk style. You know, there are people who play, you know, who finger pick and, and play this style and it just doesn't resonate with me. So it's really the songs that don't do that are the ones that work. And the ones that do do that are the ones that kind of leave me cold like gravel, for instance, like the the stuff that's going on is like really amazing on the guitar, like the stopping and starting with the finger picking and of the staccato style that she's doing on that. But like I just didn't, I didn't, couldn't grasp the. There's not like it's not hummable, I guess. Yeah, and I think there's I think there's the potential for that. I guess she doesn't want to do that. Right. Um, the vocal delivery, like she's got a great voice and. There's just some parts where I'm like, just let the note ring out. Like everything's staccato. The guitar is staccato. Her vocal staccato. Uh, bass is the only thing on the record that isn't staccato. It's all like ink, ink, ink. Like, you know what I mean? Like when she sings, she never lets a word ring out. She always pulls it back. So it all comes off as like, has, 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 has. You know what I mean? Like these little bursts of vowels and. Yes. So you just want like. Just belt something out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like use one word and just scream it out over the, you know, a chord. Yeah. Um, and that never really happens. And it just, I don't know. It Maybe that's the point of her music. I, I'm not quite sure, but I, I just wish that um, there was a more focus on, hey, what's the melody of this? Like you said, like, what's the hummable part here? What's the part I, I would play on a piano, you know, with one hand that you can know that this is the song? Yeah, I guess that's not really what she's about. But no, no, and it, you know, it's just a different approach that works for her, and she's got such a a good vo- a voice. It's so clear and so unique to her. It's not I don't know how to say it. Like she, you can clearly hear that she has a grasp of melody, and there's almost like a pop sensibility in in some of the songs, but um, it's just the the quirkiness that sort of turns me off on some of the songs that 
like like in fuel when she's like laughing and and you know (laughs) just these weird affectations that just like drive me bonkers yeah so and i'm sure that you know some of her her fans that are most passionate about her love that kind of thing so i think i think it's like you either connect with it or you don't you know i think part of it was that the reason why she put out the living eclipse record was that which was the live album is that she was getting sort of feedback that her records weren't capturing what she was doing live which is you know this confessional singer songwriter folk you know presentation so i think this record was her attempt to really capture the and this is the record that follows that this is her attempt to capture what she does live in a studio setting but also expand the sound so i don't know if that like I, again i'm not as familiar with her catalog as i should be but i don't know yeah. if that affectation is there on those early records or if that was a manifestation of her live performances mm. so yeah and i could see like live that coming off totally different right because you know? if you're in a you know in a it's room almost with a 500 bit, people an acoustic guitar you can have that interaction it's like um it's like th- musical theater right? right i mean like Playing characters, I don't know, that comes across much better when I can see your face and we're close and I'm understanding what you're doing. But listening to it without that visual or point of reference, there's just parts where it's just bizarre. Like it just doesn't connect correctly. Yeah. All right. Let's give our overall ratings on this record. Worthy album, better EP, decent single. Jay? I mean, I'm in an EP. I, I think that she's, you know pretty unique in what she does i think the performances are really really good and i think there's a couple you know three four songs on here that you know i don't i wouldn't if they came on i wouldn't skip past them you know right uh, but yeah I, I it's not a full record for me it's just maybe it's just so far off from my style personal style and taste that i can't get there but yeah i'm an ep i agree with you i'm at a four song ep i would pick like little plastic castle i mentioned earlier as is Pixie and Independence Day. And if you cut Pulse down to like a reasonable like five minutes, I would put that on there and make it a five-song EP. But right now, it's a four-song EP for me, and I guess we're both at an EP. So overall, it's an interesting record, but it just, it, it's got some stuff that didn't work for either of us. So that's what happens sometimes. It can't all be, uh, they all can't be union. I don't know. <laughs> We'll find out someday, maybe. I'm just surprised you've never heard that record, which blows my mind. You I think heard? I may have sampled it at the, um, I don't know, around the time, but I don't remember what it sounded like. Okay. Well, I want to thank everybody who voted in our Patreon poll. We'll have another one coming up for March. Four albums that we'll pick from March of 1998. That people can vote on. Maybe I should make it five so there can't be a tie. Is that possible? If I make it, no, because it could be 20%. Or we could just. There's no number that I can one. I'll make it one record. That way there's no possibility of a tie. I don't know what to do. We always get a tie. Uh, do we have to have an electoral college? Oh, God. Don't even go there. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need to do. We need to new, add a new Patreon level where we, yeah, we, we create electors. Right. The dollar patrons all get to vote, but you're voting for a... An elector who ultimately cast the. There you go. Hmm. 
Interesting. And depending on how much you donate, that's as many votes as you get. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Let's do that. Okay. Oh. Let's make it more complicated. Can there be campaign Are fundraising? We... <laughs> yeah. We're, I mean, hey, hey, why not? All right. All right let's do that. Big donors. Get the Koch uh... brothers involved. Hey, I want to mention thanks to everyone who has left us uh, positive uh, reviews over at iTunes. We're up to like 40-something reviews right now. So that's kicked up in the last couple months. And, uh, you know, go to iTunes, leave us a positive review, even just, you know, four or five stars, whatever you think we're worthy. We appreciate it. It helps with the algorithms and whatnot over at iTunes. And, of course, uh, you know, patreon.com forward slash dig me out. That's where you go to, to vote on stuff. And we'll have we'll be announcing probably in the next couple of weeks we'll be announcing our first quarter giveaway, which will be at the end of March. Yeah, that's it. For Jay, I'm Tim, we're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook. Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com.